Turn your Bibles. Uh, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. Gospel of Luke chapter 2. And as you're turning there, how does Santa clean his sleigh? Did you ever think about that? He cleans it with sanitizer. Why does everyone love Frosty the Snowman? Because he's so cool. One more. What do you get if you have the bad habit of eating Christmas ornaments? You get tinselitis. Tinselitis. Shouldn't eat Christmas ornaments. Amen, amen. This morning, I want to talk about why Christmas means so much. Amen? You know, we, I love this time of year. We see the beautiful lights, and it seems like in, unless you're in the shopping centers, everyone has a little extra joy in their heart. But why does Christmas mean so much? Let's start reading in Luke chapter 2, skipping down to verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. A few years ago, I read an article uh, written by a gentleman who he didn't believe the Bible, and he didn't believe in Jesus Christ. Listen to what he wrote. He said, on Christmas Eve, at the end of the arduous march that Americans make each year to the happiest holiday, it sometimes seems that they are supposed to celebrate Christmas as though they have agreed to forget what Christmas is supposed to mean. First, some really have forgotten or never knew or never cared about the true meaning of Christmas but they can still enjoy and benefit from the seasonal upsurge of goodwill. Second, many Americans are of faiths that differ from mainstream Christianity and from the origins of Christmas and its Christ. I don't know about you, but I find it pretty sad when a non-believer gets closer to the truth than many pastors do. Amen? And I recently saw a news headline that, that really struck me. It said, a defense 
of Jesus at Christmas. Think of how sad that is. A defense of Jesus at Christmas. And I thought to myself, have we really reached a point in this nation where we need to defend Jesus Christ at Christmas? And the answer is yes, unfortunately. We have come to that point. We've kicked Jesus Christ out of his own holiday, haven't we? You very rarely hear Merry Christmas. What do we hear instead? Happy Holidays. We have kicked Jesus Christ out of his own holiday. For most Christians, or or, I'm sorry, for most people, Christmas is, is just a sentimental holiday. But for the true believer, Christmas ought to be the greatest event in world history. Jesus coming to this earth literally changed history. Our calendars are no longer B.C., but what? A.D. In honor of Christ coming to this earth. We can truly say that everything is different since Jesus entered into our humanity. His coming is not a mere sentimental thought. It establishes the truths of all that we believe as Christians. Amen? And it's my hope this morning that we start to see Christmas in this magnificent way as well. Amen? Christmas, why it means so much. Let me start by noting some of the Christmas miracles. Amen? First, we had an angel visited the Virgin Mary who conceived the child by way of the Holy Spirit. The babe in her womb was Messiah, the very Son of God and God the Son. The prophets foretold of both the virgin birth and that that birth would take place in that little tiny insignificant town of Bethlehem hundreds of years before it would come to pass. A star would lead the magi, the wise men from the east, and it would move across the sky until it stopped right over young Jesus' home. Angels appeared and spoke to shepherds in their field. An angel would speak to Joseph on three different occasions. An angel would warn the Magi not to return to Herod. The Bible prophesied of Herod's slaughter of male babies hundreds of years before that would come to pass, before he would give that horrible edict. And when Simeon held the baby Jesus, he prophesied of his death on the cross. Now let's consider the the names that Jesus is given just in in the main Christmas passage. He's called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Jesus Savior, Emmanuel, Son of the Most High, and Christ the Lord. Then there are the things the Bible tells us that he will accomplish. He will save his people from their sins. He will reign from David's throne in Jerusalem. And his kingdom will have no end 
forever and ever. Now, we think about these Christmas truths. They are truly beyond measure. But there are also things that we don't think upon nearly enough, do we? Amen? We sing that beautiful Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Yet we hardly think upon the amazing words, the amazing lyrics of that song. Here's a verse. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as with men to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. In O Come, All Ye Faithful, we sing, Son of the Father, begotten, not created. How often do we think of that lyric? Begotten, not created. We don't hear many sermons about that truth, yet it refers to one of the most critical truths in Christianity, in all of the Bible. Amen? The first thing I want us to consider this morning is the the glory and the tragedy of mankind. The glory and the tragedy of mankind. Not your typical Christmas passage, but turn your Bible to the the 8th Psalm, Psalm 8. We're going to pick up reading in verse 3. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers the moon and the stars which you have ordained. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? That's Christmas right there, isn't it? For you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the over the worlds uh, of your, over the works of your hands, you have put all things under his feet. Here we see in, in Psalm 8, in these couple of verses here, we see both the glory and the fall, the glory and the tragedy of mankind. Verse 5 For you have created him a little lower. Then the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. We were crowned with glory and honor at creation. Amen? God crowned us with glory and honor at creation. Then we read in verse 6, You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. We were created to rule this world. We were created to have dominion over all things on the earth. That's our glory. We were created in the image of God. That's why we were crowned with glory and honor, because we were created in God's image. Amen? However... Our perception of glory has faded. Every two years, used to be every four years, now it's every two years, 
the world's greatest athletes, they come together and they compete at the Olympic Games. Amen? Whoever, you know, they run, they jump, they swim, they, they hurdle, they do all these different events, and whoever does it the fastest, the, the highest, and, and the longest, they win the gold. Amen? And for that day, they are the best in the world. And this is mankind's perception of glory. But that glory quickly fades, doesn't it? New athletes come, and old records are broken. All of our earthly heroes, we discover, have feet of clay. Amen? Eventually, they will fail. But we think about it, and mankind fell from glory long before this. Amen? When Adam and Eve ate of that forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden, Sin's ugly head, sin's ugly presence entered into the human race. And death then became our destiny. The Bible makes it very clear that the wages of sin is what? Is death. And that is the tragedy of mankind. Pain and heartache and sadness and sorrow and suffering and anxiety, they entered our world. We were kicked out of Eden and replaced with this sorrow and sadness. But as we read here in Psalm 8, we were made, we were, we were created for greatness. We were created for so much more. Verse 5 says we were created a little lower than the angels. I want you to think about that for a sec. That's us. Almost angels. Amen? Did you ever think about that? Almost angels. But some of those angels, one-third to be exact, fell into sin. And so did we. Amen? So did we. The evidence is all around us. We see the hatred the violence, the innocent bloodshed. I have no idea how people get through a day without Jesus Christ. You know, it's hard enough for us as born-again believers. We have Christ in our hearts. It's hard enough to get through these cold and dark days. But we were made for so much more than what we see in this world today. Amen? We have sunk so low that we are more like demons than we are the angels. Amen. Secondly, God in his glory visited us, visited mankind, visited us. Praise God that that's not the end of the story. Amen. Yes, God made us for greatness, and we completely messed it all up. We blew our shot at immortality in the flesh in the Garden of Eden. And as a result, all of our cemeteries are filling up. But thank God for his unconditional love toward us. His unconditional love for us that tells us he's not finished with us yet. Amen. 
in verse 4. What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him? Did you ever think about that? Why would God even bother with people like us? We've ruined Eden, and yet he gave us another chance. And what do we do with that chance? We mess things up so bad that he had to send a global flood to judge mankind. But God loved us so much that he said, I'm not finished with you yet, and he left a remnant, a man named Noah and his family. And he protected them in an ark while he judged the world. God could have just hit that delete button, couldn't he? And no one could blame him if he did. But David's question in verse 4 in Psalm 8, What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? That strikes at the very heart of Christmas, doesn't it? That is the Christmas message. What is mankind that God should care about us? Why should he, after we have failed him so miserably, why would God care enough to visit us? But it's here that we see God's glory. It's here that we see God's wonder. It's here that we see God's majesty and his mystery. Amen? And he put it on full display in that tiny little manger in Bethlehem. His majesty and his mystery all together in that manger, in that cow shed, on that first Noel. Hebrews chapter 2. Start reading at verse 6. It's going to sound very familiar. Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote to the Hebrews. He said, But one testified in a certain place, saying, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? For in that he put all in subjection under him. He, Christ, left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. Now look at verse 9. But we see Jesus, who was also made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. That's the Christmas story. Amen? I want to focus on three truths that we've seen here this morning. First and foremost, in order for Jesus to redeem us, he had to become 
like us. Amen? In order to redeem us, he had to become like us. That is what Christmas is all about. The incarnation. Emmanuel, God with us. God in the flesh. Jesus took on human flesh. Born of the virgin. Into a world that didn't want him. No one knew he was coming. And the world didn't care he arrived. Amen? John chapter 1. Skip down to verse 10. Jesus was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. In order to visit us, in order to truly visit us, Jesus had to become like us. He had to be made a little lower than the angels. Amen? Second truth we need to take note is that Jesus tasted death just as we are all appointed. Amen? Verse 9 in Hebrews chapter 2. That he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Paul wrote earlier in the book of Hebrews, he said, It is appointed for men to die once. Amen? We all have an appointment with death. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. Plain and simple. Jesus could not truly visit us if he did not experience our last enemy. What's our last enemy? Death. Amen? In order to be fully man, it's appointed unto men to die once. He had to taste death, didn't he? In order to be fully man, he had to taste death. Jesus made this unthinkable sacrifice because he knew that was the only way. That was the only way to save us. That was the only way to redeem us from our sins. Only by dying in our place could he give us life. And the third truth I want us to see is that Jesus came to restore all that we lost in Eden. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Skip down to verse 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep, those who have died in Christ. For since by man came death, by man, capital M, Jesus, also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ's at his coming. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he puts all enemies under his feet. And that last enemy that will be destroyed 
is death. Amen? Jesus came to reverse the curse. Amen? The curse of sin. And we who trust in him, we are going to get our lost glory restored when we get to glory. Amen? Our lost glory that was given to us at creation, that we lost because of sin, it will be restored when we get to heaven. Amen? The Bible tells us that we will be like him. Amen? He is going to be crowned just as he is crowned with glory and honor, so will we. That lost glory will be restored. This is why Christmas ought to mean so much to us. We were made for glory, but we quickly lost it. We sinned, we disobeyed God, and this brought death upon all mankind. Not just physical death, that's bad enough, but more importantly, it also brought spiritual death. Amen? It brought spiritual death. It separated us from a holy God. The Bible tells us that we turned our own way. We, like sheep, we all turned our own way. And we told God, we don't need you. Just leave us alone. And then we look around this world and we wonder why things are as bad as they've gotten. But God replied, he said, I'm never going to leave you alone. I love you too much for that. So he sent prophets to us. What did we do to the prophets? We killed them. Then he wrote us letters. His own words. And what do we do? We ignore them. Then he came and he showed us how to live safe. And how to live content. And what was our reply? No one tells me how to live. Isn't that our attitude? God revealed himself to us. And what was our reply? We made up our own gods instead. Why? Because the gods that we make up look more like us. And we like that better. We've made an absolute mess of things. And God could have, and God should have hit that delete button. Amen. But praise him that he did. Instead, he said, that's enough. I'm coming down to you. I'm going to meet you in your needs. I'm going to meet you right in the middle of your sins. And I want you to see. I want you to know, I want you to experience just how much I love you. But did we pay attention? No. God did come down to us, but that didn't make any sense. Why would Almighty God come down to us? But he did come, and he came in a very strange way, didn't he? in a way no one would have expected. He was born of the virgin as a babe in Bethlehem. 
and he grew up among us. He lived among us and he grew up among us and he ministered to us. He gave us words of life, eternal life. And he showed us miracles and he raised the dead and he calls the blind to see and the lame to walk. And what we do in return, we nailed him to a tree. And then after we put him in a tomb, he arose victorious over death. All that he said was true. Proving to us <clears throat> that because he lives, we can live also. Showing us that he is victorious over all of our enemies. Death, hell, the grave, Satan. Victorious over them all. No one but God could have done that. The great writer C.S. Lewis he said, the Son of God became a man to enable man to become sons of God. God has done all this for us. He wrapped himself in human flesh. Wrapped himself in swaddling clothes and said, this is my free gift to you. This is what Christmas is all about. God's unwavering, unconditional love for us.